Yes, of course. Gosh, it has been some time, but um, it's living inside like it was yesterday. So, um, and the memories are still super fresh. Did I meet some interesting people? You better believe it. Um, I'm still meeting with some interesting people as a fallout. Um, it was a fabulous event. Um, I'm sure you've received this feedback, but I already know of a lot of people who are already saying, I'll see you next year, I'll see you next year. Um, and I think that's testimony of, of how well we enjoyed the event, how well organised the event was, and actually um, a really important factor of coming together with people who are like-minded. Um, it's something that's been neglected of recent years, obviously because of COVID. Um, but for me, I can't wait to get back. So bring it on bigger and better. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let me wear two hats. Let me wear two hats because, as you quite rightly said, and I was hosting, and I'm grateful to be asked because I find it a very privileged position to be given um, that responsibility because these are young startup businesses who um, are going to put themselves in quite a scary position. And, you know, it's really important that we set the scene well for them. We can't make it too easy because it's a serious business, you know? So the judges did what they're meant to do and they scrutinized and they scrutinized hard. Um, but to actually get to know those people, they are some of the people I'm talking about when I say like-minded people. Now, many moons ago, I won a Young Entrepreneur Award in the UK. So I was, I'd been in their shoes and I told them this, you know? One of them actually said, you know, you seem more nervous. Than, than we are. I said, yes, probably. I feel like I'm your mum, you know. But a takeaway for me on that particular point was, wow, not only do we have these great, talented people coming through, that somehow we're doing this thing that ordinarily concerns me. Somehow we are managing to marriage technology and people who care, people skills. And 
the takeaway for me, because I was also on a personal level as a health coach and as Maxine Bristow Health, I was on a panel about AI and ensuring that we don't dehumanize medicine too much. And where do we get the balance? Now, I need reassurance because I can put my end user hat on and I listen to people on the ground and they are scared. How can I reassure them that AI and technology is the way forward unless I know for myself? So I have a responsibility to ensure that um, the care within the healthcare system, and we're all in healthcare ultimately, that the care elements still exist. So big, my big takeaway probably was that we, we all care. We all care, whether it be about protecting the rights of the patient, making sure that data is protected, whether we care about whether this information is accessible to everyone, making sure we don't exclude people. That's a big area, obviously, with longevity being such a key subject in, in the medical world. How do we take this modernization and how do we somehow share this into this generation that maybe yet are not ready for it? How do we make it robust? How do we make it resilient? How do we make it be for the better and not compromise what we already have? And the fact is, everyone cares. The clinicians care. The, the technologists, the brains behind AI, everyone cares. So providing we don't lose that nucleus, that we all care, that the outcomes are better than what we have today and that the future, we can look around any system, we can find where it's broken. But what we need to do is focus on how do we move forward? My takeaway point, and it was that one point, that Malta and MedTech oozed that this belief that Malta could be and, or will be Despite what sometimes people think, sometimes people use the size of Malta as a barrier. And as an expat, I hear lots, the Maltese population tend to pull their own country down quite often. Oh, we're so small, we're so small, we're so small. Yes, but that can be your strength. And it is a strength because we can pull through accessible to so many people. It's easy to get information here, share it there. So it's an absolutely ideal point in which to bring together great minds, European minds, global minds, Maltese minds. Let's put us all together and let's work universally for the best. And of course, it's going to benefit the Maltese population. But it's also going to benefit the whole, if you like, of the universe. And that's ultimately what we're about. So for me, the takeaway point was, Malta is putting itself on the map, baby, and you really are. And I'm grateful for that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, it is a story, and um, when you reach my age, it's never a short story, but I will try and give you a synopsis. Um, I've always worked in health and wellness, always, and um, 30 years plus. And as the years have evolved, I've gravitated for one reason and another towards medical or, if you like, clinical interventions, clinical exercise, then into behavioral therapy, etc. Now, my first time I heard the word genetics, because it's a common word now, but it wasn't, let's say, 24 years ago in my field, was when my daughter was diagnosed at the age of seven with something called Giles de Tourette's syndrome. Okay. And at the time, she became the youngest diagnosed in the UK. I was very blessed to have consultant psychiatrists as personal clients of mine, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a journey of being blessed. It's certainly not a journey of being any victim in any way, either of us. However, it posed the question, as it does to any parent, when your child is diagnosed with something, why, how, come? You know, my nana would say, is this something she's eating, sweetheart? You know, all of this. <laughs> is it because we feed them too many of these these days? No, I think it could be in the genes. And I set on a journey within my own family to talk about genes and genetics because I could see the correlation. So it was my first interest. What part do genes play, you know? And it was thrown about. Then, then the years went on, and obviously, you know, Tourette's has its genetic um, roots. However, like all conditions and everything in life, we have to look at a biopsychosocial model, and I apply that to everything. So the genetics was only part of my daughter's condition, not all of her. It was a part of who she was, not the whole of who she is. So I set about then about looking at these other elements, like the environment, like the mindset. And I realize that if we can also influence certain factors, then the amount in which somebody would suffer from a condition would be more controllable, if you like, to us. That was probably the beginning. That was 25 years ago. Yes, and, and you can imagine Giles to Tourette's 25 years ago. Okay. However, I then moved along and I realized then various other things happened and I was used to be invited. I was invited to a general medical council, uh, professional development day in London. I'm going to bring you right up to the modern day because I could tell you an awful lot. And that was in 2019. And in 2019, um, just before COVID, um, these professors were talking about longevity. And this whole conference was about um, preventable uh, diseases or more importantly, the insights and the optimization that we could do, okay? Um, and all of them, every discipline, every field of medicine talked about nutritional, 
interventions, lifestyle interventions, exercise interventions. But that's all they said. It was very shallow. But when they talked about pharma, they were given detailed explanations of um, what dose of this, what dose of that, what comorbidity. But when they said exercise, it was boom, exercise is good. So I raised my hand. What type of exercise? How do we get personalized prescription? You know? And I felt a little bit upset and I told them so. I said, can you imagine somebody coming to me and me telling them what medicine to take? Why can you send somebody away and say, you need to exercise? You need to improve your diet. You know, I said, Yes. Okay, so, so yeah, so I literally had some nice debate and I said, you know, in all due respect, you insult me and my profession. I said, because I said, do you know how complex exercise is? Do you know how functional movement, do you know how alignment plays a part? How why are we testing people on whether they can squat 10, 20 times? what relevance is that in the real world? And what if they're doing it badly? And, and why are we putting them in a group of 30 people for somebody to teach them exercise, yet you show me how to use an inhaler on my own? Risk versus benefit, it doesn't make sense, you know? And that entered me more into the medical world. And I was invited back to speak, which hasn't happened yet because of COVID. That was in 2019. So I was on a bit of a tangent, as you can tell. COVID hit. I was in Malta. My nana, who is today 100 years of age, would have been 98, living on her own with some support visiting. My mum, oh, well, you know what? Well, my genetic profile, she must have better genes than I because we don't necessarily need to have the same. But yes, I think the mentality is in the genes because. No, the mentality, because my, my, my nana is 100. My sister's a gold medalist, Olympic medalist. Um, I think she'll be the first to tell you she's probably not the most talented, but we're a bit stubborn and pig-headed when it comes to... Sorry if that's upsetting or pig-headed, but we're a little bit stubborn. Anyhow, so she was 100 years of age now, 98 then. My mother, who's her main primary carer, had recovered from a hip operation. I had to make a decision. My decision was to travel back to the UK to stay with her in her apartment. You imagine it, Stefan, you know, this woman's lived through a war and more. Okay. She's registered blind. She gets about just about, but she was terrified of COVID. When I arrived, I couldn't open a window in case COVID came in. When I wanted to go for a walk, which then we're allowed to go leave the house for one hour walk. Don't, don't, you're going to bring it back in with you. And again, during that period of time, what kept me sane is I decided 
I need to get my teeth into something. I started looking at genetics and mindset and all these different things and resilience. And, 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 and I started talking to her on a real adult level. I said, listen, Nana, I said, you're 100 years of age nearly. Come on. You've survived all. So I started trying to change her psyche. I also phoned the local radio station and said, can you stop playing doom and gloom, please? Every time you speak, we might not speak again. I said, and I just told my nana, be grateful that you haven't got family who are working in hospitals and doctors and nurses. I mean, we, we sort of this conversation exactly what you say about genetics. And it was quite a deep conversation. So I returned back to Malta. And somewhere I heard this voice. Remember, and it was a colleague of mine that worked in genetics. Out the blue, I messaged him. I said, Hey, Chris, how are you? Good. You're still doing that genetics testing thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, we've expanded. And they'd expanded to Moodoo. I said, Wow. And that's one final part of the journey. He sent me the website. I looked on the website. And when I looked on the website, an ambassador for them was my sister. But we've never spoken. I believe in certain faiths. She, she said she took the test. She said she found, she, she told me the findings. She told me how, how helpful they were. I took the test myself. My family took the test. We piloted it in Malta. And then, lo and behold, today, we said to the guys in the UK, let's go to Malta. And we soft launched, if you like, Voodoo Malta in May of this year. Um, we've had great feedback. We are ready to expand further. Um, basically, we offer um, DNA and epigenetics. It's a global first epigenetics. And it reveals insights, interventions. Um, it, it talks about how we can um, mitigate these risks. It very much is that biopsychosocial model. So this is what we have. We have these other two components. How can we make these influence these in a positive way? And that's it. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay, so the first link we make, and, and you'll probably know this, Stefan, is in any working relationship, there has to be trust. Now, you can have any patient, any client in front of you, and if they're not buying in, forget it. So what we do with Moodoo, everything is scientifically backed. Every, uh, the 300 reports that are given, everything there is a click on, and it will tell you where the evidence lies. Now, one of the things I find is happening with people is there's some mistrust going on. So people are sometimes getting overwhelmed, especially in the field of lifestyle interventions. What type of exactly what you said. I, heard, I believe metabolic training is good for you. I believe too much vitamin C is bad. I should be taking more zinc. I should be taking more of this. What we do and why it works for the end user, the end patient, is it's very personalized. It is based on your DNA, nobody else's DNA. So once you help, and as this level, so as in when we're in the health coaching level, it is important 
that we spend time to take the data that becomes information and then take it to a language and a behavior modification that is realistic and relevant to the patient. And we do that by, first of all, keep reminding them, this is you. It doesn't matter what Bob and Mary do, this is you, okay? Then we show them, and we can show them through epigenetics, that if you do these actual interventions, that actually you can influence. The good thing about once somebody has this profile is they, they will have it for life. Your DNA, as you know, doesn't change. So they will pick and choose the information they need when they want it, which is better than going on Google search. Okay. Because, <laughs> so it's, but it almost acts like a Google. Oh, what did that say about my magnesium? What did it say about my anxiety and, and how I should respond to it? Now, the Moodoo product is available on all levels. It could, so it sounds a little bit um, unrealistic to say that everybody benefits, but everybody does. So it doesn't matter whether you want to have um, the DNA and epigenetic profiling done for longevity, optimum health, optimum performance, um, fat loss, Muscle strength. And muscle strength, remember, it doesn't have to just be um, about sports performance. We also have sarcopenia and lots of other things that we can collate. So what we are actually doing is we have this baseline that flags things up before they become clinical. And it's changing the mentality of people, which I believe is changing. A lot of people, Stefan, you know this yourself, I'm sure, they know there's something they can be doing for themselves. But what? So they start on this journey of exercise, they stop. They start on this journey of nutrition, they stop. Because they've got nothing to refer to. They've got no, no baseline in which to work with. Um, but like I say, we offer the whole surface, whatever, whatever is needed, whether we offer the, the tests that actually get used with King's College London for a longevity research program. Also, Singapore University are using our tests. Um, the Saudi Arabian government are also using them. So they can be used as just the test without the app, if you like. Um, and, um, or they can be used with the app which can also be integrated into a whole host of other systems. So the possibilities are huge. And the epigenetics. Yes, 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 for sure. Okay. What did you do your genetic test for? What was it? Okay, okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, so here's our ambition for Malta, okay? 
So here's our, our ambition for Malta, which we want everyone to get behind. At MedTech, what I loved about MedTech was it was an opportunity to show Malta um, off, if you like, to Moodoo UK, who are basically the holding company. I want to bring them here. Okay, but not just bring them here. I want Malta to become the center of excellence. I would love to do some research studies here, which I'm sure we can. We have everything available to us to do so. We just need to somehow put it all together. And I'm sure we will. I would also like to offer the ongoing training and development on the coaching side, because there's an awful lot of wellness practitioners doing great jobs in Malta and beyond, okay? And sometimes through my experience, they get blocked because they're not taken as serious because they don't come from the same maybe university background or medical background. And it's very difficult to know a good personal trainer from a less good personal trainer, let's say. Um, and we do have ways in which we can go on registers like e-reps and stuff like this. But even then, I don't believe we are really given enough quality assurance that people who are delivering this information is, is credible information. So what's happened within our, our industry is we have people given lots of different information. They'll go and see one practitioner, maybe a yoga practitioner, a Pilates a nutritionist, a, a fad diet, an eight-week, 12-week, get a flat tummy program, whatever it's called, yeah? And then they'll change and they'll go to a different practitioner because nobody's speaking the same language. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Continue. So what we can do with these tests is most good wellness practitioners, in my experience, are good coaches. The successful ones have a way about them that build relationships of trust. And they listen to them. I know my personal clients will come and say, Max, you know me. What do you think? And I sometimes know I'm working outside my remit. Okay. Guilty. Listen, but what I try to do with these is collaborate with medical world, holistic world, the whole biopsychosocial and put it together. Can you imagine if we created a baseline, scientifically backed evidence of somebody's lifestyle, DNA, risks and opportunities? We do not do anything fad. So we don't do all this sexy ancestry stuff because it's irrelevant what we do is what are your opportunities what are you gifted in what are your risks and how do we work with them to become the best version of you yeah and we will do that referring back to your dna not what Max says, not what Stefan says, what your DNA says, what the scientists say. So therefore, we can start giving some quality assurance in the wellness industry. So if we can bring a center of excellence that sees professors and universities collaborating on genetic research, longevity, epigenetics, 
at this level, and then we'll also address it from this level. We're going to bridge that gap. And then we're going to really be in the field of preventative medicine because most people who are using a lot of wellness services, you will never see because they are keeping themselves well. And that's how we need it to be. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> mental health and have aging um you know i'm going to go for longevity okay because mental health getting older is not necessarily a bad thing get rid of this sentence but i'm getting older or it's because of my age we'll do an interview with my nana one day if you want and let's speak to her and see what it takes when she's celebrating her 100th birthday do it okay the biggest factor in the aging process is the mindset okay we know disease is going to come and get us one day we know cells age these things happen this is nature so what we need to do is optimize who we are make ourselves as resilient and make sure that when you're 70 80 90 whatever age it is, 50, whatever you consider old, that you're having the best years in your life. Don't allow disease or maybe a, a crooked hip or a bad knee. Don't moan about it. Let's fix it. Let's work together. So there's my passion is that be happy to mature but not age. There are plenty of things we can do to delay the onset of illness and disease and to live a great life till somebody else decides it's over. Thank you, Stephanie.